0: One semester of law school. One semester of criminal justice. Two Two experts.
1: experts. I'm Kristen Pitts. I'm Brandi Egan. Let's Let's go to to court. On this episode, I'll talk about the trials of the Scottsboro Boys.
0: And I'll be talking about the dangers of being a cheerleader in Texas. Oh my. This is really kind of like a series I'm doing on, you know, like... Warnings about things that could happen to you because I talked about the dangers of the PTA last week, uh-huh. talking about the dangers of being a cheerleader this week.
1: I think maybe the reason I like these stories is because I've I run no risk of falling into either of these categories. <laughs> <That's> right.
0: <laughs> I think if you tried to sign up for some PTA, Kristen, that would uh, be alarming because be like, you have no children. For sure,
1: a pedophile. <laughs> kind of like people who go to children's movies no! as adults without kids. <laughs> Shut up! Know anybody like that?
0: <laughs> I'm still going to go see Mary
1: Poppins when it comes out.
0: Okay. You'll
1: be on the list. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know anything about mine?
0: Uh, so far, no. Uh,
1: <laughs> it's going to be terrible. It's a really,
0: is it a really sad
1: one? Yeah, and the irony is... I had a really sad one in mind.
0: Uh huh. And you're like, I don't want to do that. It's too sad. So you did an even sadder
1: one? Yes. What? Um, So I was going to do the Central Park Five. Oh, gosh. I know. I know. Um, And I watched the documentary and I was like, God, this sucks. It's a great documentary. It's just uh, yeah, a documentary's story. great story is terrible. Then I started getting into all the weird Donald Trump stuff with it where like he put the ad in the newspaper calling for the death penalty. And then I found out, which I didn't realize this, I found out that he still claims that they're guilty and stands by what he did. Yeah. And I got so angry. I was like, I can't do this one this week. Yeah. Maybe another time. Yeah, Thank you, goodbye. Thank you, goodbye. <laughs> and for some strange reason I had remembered the Scottsboro Boys case Uh because it reminded me that the Central Park Five case was a case of five men I think four of them were black one Hispanic who were falsely accused of raping a white woman yes and this is a case where young black men were accused of raping white women yeah so I was kind of like thinking about like oh yeah that's a similar case but I think it had a positive outcome. Why did I think this? You thought it was going to be real uplifting? For some reason, I thought it had a positive outcome. (laughs) Fuck. I was wrong. Oh, no.
0: Spoiler (laughs) alert.
1: am I going to cry? Maybe, maybe not. I think the thing I noticed, so I researched this yesterday, and it was very depressing. Mm -hmm. But the thing I noticed is that, like, when I'm just zeroing in on one person who's been falsely accused, for some reason I get sadder because you get to know more about that yep, individual that's person. that's true. Um, the Scottsboro Boys were a group of nine men.
2: Yeah.
1: And I think just because of the sheer number, mm-hmm. you don't get to know them as well. So, But it's still terrible. I mean, yeah, yeah you'll probably cry. I don't know. I cried at everything, terrible. so it's fine. Buckle up.
2: <gasps> I know. I'm
1: sorry. It's going to be bad. Okay. It's March 25th, 1931. We're on the Southern Railroad freight train going from Chattanooga to Memphis. It's Where's that? Tennessee. You didn't think I knew where Chattanooga was. Of course I knew you knew where it was, but some of our listeners might not. Oh, that's right. We've got people outside the U.S. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So we're in the midst of the Great Depression, and a lot of people, particularly young men, would go hoboing. So they'd hop on the freight trains, hop off at the next town looking for work, or, you know, just, like, trying to escape boredom. Yeah. On the train were a few young black men and a few young white men, and also these two young white women. At some point on this train ride, something happens between these two groups. I saw different sources put this a few different ways. By the way, I should shout out famous trials. The vast majority of... The info I'm going to share here comes from FamousTrials.com. One source I saw said that the white boys tried to push one of the black boys off the train and yelled, this is a white man's train. Mm -hmm. Another source said that one of the white boys walked across the top of a tank car and stepped on the hand of one of the black boys. So something happened. Yeah. And a fight breaks out. The two groups start throwing rocks at each other and the white boys lose this fight. They're forced off the train. So they're pissed. And they're racist assholes. Mm -hmm. So they walk to the nearest station master and they say, hey, we were just assaulted by a gang of black men. Mm -hmm. And they're on this train headed this direction. Please help us. So the station master, of course, is like, "Okay, that that can't happen. Yeah. He wires ahead to let the next guy know what's going on. Meanwhile, the black guys on the train think whatever happened is done, you know. But when the train stops at Paint Rock, Alabama, they were greeted by an angry mob of armed white guys. Mm -hmm. They grabbed every black young man they could find on the train. In total, they captured nine young men. They tied them together, threw them onto a truck bed, and drove them to jail in Scottsboro. Wow. Wow. So this group of nine young men became known as the Scottsboro Boys, and that's how they've always been known. Uh And so for some reason, so for that reason, boys, I always thought they were like young kids. And some of them were. One of them was like 12. One was 13. Mm -hmm. I think one was 16. But a lot of them were like 18 or 19. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll be damned if I'm going to call a 19-year-old black man a boy. So, what about you're going to a, hear a lot of young men. You're going to hear a lot of guys. What about a 31-year-old
0: white man? Would you call him a boy? No, I find that <laughs> gross.
1: <laughs> um, in case you guys are wondering. Norton likes to call himself a boy sometimes. I've been trying to break him of this habit for years. I think it's gross and weird. <laughs> And he knows I want him to stop, so he has, like, really, more. he sticks with it. <laughs> so this mob has just rounded up all these young black men. But they also notice the two white women, mm-hmm. Victoria Price and Ruby Bates. And they're like, whoa, what are you two doing here? Hoboing on a train with a bunch of black men? And that's when one of the women said... We've just been raped. Oh, my gosh. By 12 of these men. What? They had pistols and knives, and it was horrifying. Thank God you're all here to save us. Later, the two women are brought to the jail to make this formal accusation, and Victoria looks at the nine men, and she's like, yeah, these six guys right here, these six guys raped me. And so the guard is like, okay, so, these six guys raped Victoria. Obviously, that means the other three raped Ruby. Case closed. What? Uh, but what were
0: they doing on the train in the first place? Ruby and what's her face?
1: Good question. They weren't, right? What do you mean? Well, I mean, they wouldn't be hoboing. I mean, so hmm. there are lots of different theories. Uh huh as to why they were doing this. Um, They were rumored to be prostitutes. Okay. One thing you should know is that the Mann Act at this time Mm -hmm. made it unlawful to cross state lines to do an immoral act. Yeah. I'm trying to recite this from memory. So, I know at one point on this journey they'd been arrested for adultery. I mean, like, they'd they'd been up to some stuff. Okay. But... You know, if they'd been raped, they're not in trouble. People were outraged, obviously. Hundreds of white men gathered around the Scottsboro jail and they're seething. They want to lynch all nine of the Scottsboro boys on the spot. They're like, these victims were white women, and the only people who can rape white women are white men. (laughs) Just a little joke. (laughs) <laughs> but for real. <laughs> so things are getting really upset. That's
0: now two episodes we've made rape jokes on, Kristen. Yeah. We do not condone rape when rape is not humorous, just for the record.
1: And I will say, my rape jokes, the butt of my rape jokes are the rapists. Yes. So <laughs> I will say that. <laughs> So things are getting really ugly, and that's when the Alabama governor steps in. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm sending in the National Guard to protect these suspects because this is America, and they deserve justice in front of an all-white jury. Mm -hmm. Twelve days after they were arrested, the first trial begins.
0: Twelve days? Yeah. What? What? How can you do any kind of investigation in that amount of time?
1: Oh, well, they were pretty sure they knew what happened. (laughs) (laughs) So that's an excellent question, because it seems way too fast, right? Yeah. I mean,
0: you know, speedy trials and all that, but damn. It can be too fast. (laughs)
1: Here's how fast it was. 12 days, I heard. (laughs) So these guys, they were not permitted to have contact with their family. Uh, They had no idea they had the right to an attorney. Yeah. And they only met their attorneys like... A little, like, minutes before the yeah. trials. Yeah. So that was obviously plenty of time to mount a great defense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. hmm So the first trial begins. Not that it was necessary. The media and the general public had already decided that these guys were totally guilty.
0: I'm sorry. I don't mean to keep interrupting. No, go for it. Were they represented by white attorneys? Of course. Yeah. Of course. They didn't give a shit.
1: Uh, you're gonna find out how much they didn't give a shit. Shit. (laughs) Here's one newspaper headline from the time. All Negroes positively identified by girls and one white boy who was held prisoner with pistols and knives while nine black fiends committed revolting crime. Okay, first of all, that's a fucking headline? Condense it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, headline's too long. (laughs) Second. (laughs) My God. Yeah. That's
0: terrible. Yeah.
1: So, the Scottsboro Boys could not afford an attorney. Luckily, this was America. They had two attorneys appointed for them. And these dudes were absolute rock stars of the legal profession. Mm Is that sarcasm I'm sensing? Stephen Roddy was a real estate attorney from Tennessee. Yeah. So, great. He's... So he's from out of state, doesn't know yeah. Alabama law, yeah. and he's a fucking real estate attorney. Yeah, um, he showed up to the first day of the trial so drunk that he couldn't walk straight. Neat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The other was Milo Moody, who was in his seventies, had a terrible memory, and hadn't tried a case in years. Hmm. I couldn't find out how many years, but one source said it had been decades. Wow. Yeah. Initially, the defense was like, yeah, hey, prosecution, if you want to try these guys all at once, we're down for that. Let's just knock this thing out. Hmm. But the cr- prosecution was like, no, we want this thing to really stick. We don't want any appeals to muddy this thing up. So we'll do this in groups. The first trial begins. And, of course, an all-white jury is selected. Mm-hmm. And the courthouse is packed. It's standing room only. And the audience is a bunch of angry, titillated white people who are, like, just hanging on every word. Yeah. Milo and Steven did their best. When it came time... I'm sure. (laughs) When it came time to cross-examine Victoria Price, they did. For a few minutes. But that was so exhausting that by the time it was time for the two doctors to testify about the women's injuries, the defense attorneys were like, eh, we're not gonna cross-examine them. What? Mm Mm-hmm. When Ruby Bates testified, her testimony didn't quite match up with with what Victoria Price said. She was clearly not... I'm gonna use the word enthusiastic. Like, she just... She didn't seem that into it. Mm Mm-hmm. Did they question her about the inconsistencies I'm guessing no. no neat the defense only called the defendants up as witnesses and that went about as well as you would expect six of them said of course we didn't rape these girls we didn't even see these girls on the train but the three others said yeah the gang rape did happen but it was all the other guys who did it it wasn't me and, of course, those three guys later said, I only testified that way because I was being threatened. You know, I was being beaten. I thought that was the only way out. Wow. The defense didn't even bother making a closing argument. What? I know. I didn't know that that was the kind of thing you could just for- you, you forgo. You just choose that? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. The jury found them guilty. Uh, shocker. Yeah, I know, I know. Amazing. Meanwhile, the second trial was already starting. And when the first jury came back with their guilty verdict, the crowd cheered so loudly that the second jury had to have heard that. Excellent. Yeah. That's really
0: great, too.
1: Man, these boys are getting such a fair trial. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, four trials took place. Three of them lasted a day start to finish wow in each case the defendants met their attorneys shortly before the trial began so there was no time to strategize no time to talk things through and in most cases they weren't able to get word out to their families Mm -hmm. in those trials eight of the nine young men were sentenced to death the exception was Roy Wright who was only 12 he got a mistrial so, get this. He got a mistrial. Because even though the prosecution said, hey, he's only 12, we want a life sentence. We don't, want him, we don't want to put him to death. 11 out of the 12 jurors wanted him dead. What? They wanted to kill a 12-year-old. Oh! But since they couldn't reach an agreement, he got a mistrial. mistrial. So... A lot of people expected the NAACP to step in and help with the defense, but rape in the South, and especially this one, was such a hot issue that they initially decided not to touch it. Instead, the NAACP decided it was too hot
0: button of a subject for them to step in.
1: And I'm, they eventually did. Okay. Okay. And I'm a little nervous to say that, because that's, that's what was said on FamousTrials.com. I, I'm sure other sources might have a slightly different version. Yeah. But the bottom line is that the first group to step in and help the Scottsboro Boys was the Communist Party. The
0: they, Communist Party? Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's weird. Here's, here's the thing. They were like, hey, the Scottsboro Boys are clearly innocent. They didn't get a fair shake here. Let's help them. It's the right thing to do. And if black people and northern liberals hear about the good work that we're doing
2: and want to join the Communist Party, hey,
1: join the party. Oh, my gosh. So in January of 1932, the Scottsboro Boys appealed their cases to the Alabama Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. And they lost. Of course they did. Mm -hmm. The court voted 6-1 to that they'd been treated fairly. Who's and the one? I mean, I
0: like... I have no idea. N- yeah, there's not anything yeah. to that. Okay, where does it go from there?
1: Well, here's the thing. This, this whole thing is insane. I feel like any one of these trials could have been an episode on, on yeah. its own. Uh, so they, they said, look, you guys had adequate legal counsel, and the judges affirmed seven out of the eight death sentences.
2: Wow.
1: The one they didn't affirm was Eugene Williams' case. They said, hey, he was 13 when this happened. Maybe he shouldn't have been tried as an adult. Uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. So that was depressing. But nobody gave up. They were like, you know what? We need to get this case the hell out of Alabama. Yeah. We need to take this all the way to the Supreme Court. (laughs) So the Supreme Court examines the facts of the case. They have to determine whether the defendant's due process has been violated. And essentially, did they really have competent legal counsel?
0: Okay, so I feel like due process for sure. Mm -hmm. Because how quickly they went to trial. They didn't know their attorneys.
1: Yep. And... Not to mention the environment they were in. Yeah. There was an angry mob around yeah. them at all times. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yes. So the Supreme Court is like, hmm, well, they were illiterate children who were being threatened by a lynch mob, kept out of contact with their families. They had no idea they had a right to an attorney. They only had access to their shitty attorneys for like two and a half seconds before their trials. So Yeah. For sure they should all get new trials. Oh my gosh. Thank goodness. By the way, that was a seven to two vote. Oh, two? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, one thing I will say in another source I saw, I saw that the judges said, hey, they had competent legal counsel um, but, but it was everything else that got violated. They basically said their attorneys were fine but the attorneys didn't have enough time with them. Okay. Which.
0: There may have been a time that their attorneys were fine. Like, maybe that Moody guy was fine 50 years ago. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or maybe that other guy would have been fine in Tennessee. Yeah. On a real estate Exactly. Case. But in this case. Yeah. 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 Oh so now gosh. the retrials are starting. Here's an interesting tidbit. At this point, the NAACP does decide they want to get involved. So they said, hey, we want to step in here, and we want to provide you with an awesome defense attorney. We'll pay for Clarence Darrow to represent you. So we've talked about Clarence Darrow before on the podcast. He represented Loeb and Leopold in... Nobody says it that way. Who?
0: Leopold and Loeb is like, it is 100% always said (sighs) Leopold and Loeb. No one is like. Do you remember the case of Loeb and Leopold? (laughs) You know what sucks. You're right.
1: (laughs) But he's so he was super famous. He also did um, the Swopes Monkey Trial Uh case. Yeah. Uh, We don't talk about that in Kansas. Oh yeah. (laughs) What evolution? It all happened in seven days. No, for real, do you remember? For real, they don't teach that in Kansas. Do you remember being taught it in high school? I remember the way we were taught it was there was no test on it. Yeah. There was no quiz. Yes. And it was like, I remember the biology teacher was super sweaty and he yeah. had someone else come in and present it from a Christian perspective and was like, hey, you can believe in both. You can believe in the Bible. And, and. the teacher had the choice if they were going to do that at all. Yeah. Insane. It's nuts. <sighs> evolution is insane that's what you're saying
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway sorry not to go on an
1: evolution yeah. tangent <laughs> we should do that one sometime. Oh, yeah <laughs> so first we'd have to learn what evolution is yeah. exactly though yeah besides the devil trying to get you down <laughs> so the the Scottsboro boys were like no we're going with the communist party on this one mm-hmm uh by that point, the Communist Party. So they said no thank you to the NAACP. So my understanding was at this point they had these two options. Yeah. They've been working with the Communist Party this well, whole and time, the, and they were like their the, saviors, yeah, right? Because that's no who one took them had... to the Supreme Court. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think by that point they were like, we're going to stick with, yeah. you know, this group. And I'd also heard from another source that the NAACP and the Communist Party worked together at some point. So I don't mm-hmm. know that it was okay. strictly like, oh, okay. you guys suck. We're going with these guys. I type gotcha. of thing. So they had already picked the attorney for the next round of trials. His name was Sam Liebowitz. And he was known as the next Clarence Darrow. <laughs> Wait, but if you can have
0: Clarence Darrow or the next Clarence Darrow, don't you pick Clarence
1: Darrow? Okay, let me tell you this dude's stat and you tell me what you <laughs> okay. would do. Okay. <laughs> he was a criminal attorney. All right. Um, he had no connections to the Communist Party. He was just a run-of-the-mill Democrat. But he'd worked 78 murder trials. Here was his record. 77 acquittals and one hung jury. Wow. Yes. It's pretty good. Yeah.
0: Clarence Darrow's stats are similar.
1: Um, let's put a pin in this and come back to this because I have a theory on what they should have done. Okay. So the defense is gearing up for this retri- retrial and so is the prosecution. The prosecutor, by the way, was Thomas Knight Jr. Here's something gross. Thomas Knight Sr. was the douche who wrote the Alabama Supreme Court decision stating that the Scottsboro boys shouldn't get new trials. Excellent. So the racist apple didn't fall far from the racist tree, (laughs) as they say. I don't think that's the same. That's 100% the same. (laughs) The second round of trials are set for the spring of 1933. Meanwhile, the young men have been kept in Nasty conditions. I'm sure! Yeah, horrible. Uh, They were let out of their tiny cells once or twice a week for a handcuffed shower. Oh my gosh. Uh, They were eventually moved to a different facility, which was full of rats, and a few years earlier had been deemed unfit for white prisoners. Yeah. So meanwhile, Ruby Bates, one of the accusers, is nowhere to be found. Girlfriend is gone. What? Mm Mm-hmm. But they have to move forward. So they do. The first trial up is Hayward Patterson's. And immediately, defense attorney Sam Leibowitz is like, I'm not here to make friends. He's in this Alabama courtroom. And he's like, excuse me, we've got a problem. You don't let black people serve as jurors. So right off the bat, this isn't fair. This isn't a jury of their peers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I move to quash the indictment. And oh, by the way, Prosecutor Thomas Knight, Douche Lord third or whatever. Douche Lord <sighs> the third. I noticed that you refer to white witnesses as Mrs. This or Mr. That or Officer This, Dr. That. But black witnesses, you just refer to them by their first names. Cut that out. Yeah. Have some respect. Yeah so this pissed people off like you would not believe because one of the things he did was he called this this like i can't remember the guy's name but this older black man and he called him to the stand to basically prove okay here's someone who could serve on a jury yeah and then thomas knight goes up refers to the guy by his first name multiple times and so in front of everyone sam lebowitz is standing up he's like objection don't say that. Objection. Yeah. Have some respect. And people were pissed. Wow. Uh, so this may surprise you, but those requests did not go over well. The motion was denied to quash the indictment, so they moved forward. Yeah. The prosecution called Victoria Price, and they kept things super brief. Probably because in the first few trials she told these long stories. She actually had people laughing. It, it sounds like she was somewhat charming uh-huh. on the stand, um, and, you know, of course, the defense attorneys just sat back and watched it happen. But this time, the prosecution was like, okay, Sam Leibowitz, he's on this. We've got to keep, keep this thing tight and locked in. Sam Leibowitz stands up, and he cross-examined Victoria Price for four hours. Wow. It was uncomfortable. Yeah. He asked if she'd ever been convicted of adultery. Uh uh-huh. hmm He asked how many times she'd been married. Mm -hmm. I believe... So she had been convicted for adultery. I think she'd been married twice by this point. He asked if she'd had consensual sex with some random guy on the train tracks while her friend Ruby had sex with this other rando right next to him. Mm -hmm. Basically, what he was doing through his questions was calling her reputation into question. Of course. So, his big point was that she'd made up this gang rape accusation because she was afraid of being arrested for a man Act violation. Yeah. Meanwhile, Victoria, it sounds like she held up fairly well uh-huh. under testimony. She sounded like an asshole. Yeah. So, like, Sam Liebowitz had this, like, model train uh-huh. set up so that, you know, people could see, okay, you know, you were supposedly here. You know, where was everybody else? And he's asking her basic questions like is this like the train that you, that you were on?
2: hmm
1: And she goes, no. <laughs> it's much smaller. <laughs> That's exactly right. What? Yes. Yes. <laughs> she was like, no, the one I was on was much bigger. <laughs> Just to be an ass. Just to be an ass. <laughs> but still, you know, the cross-examination was pretty damning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the prosecutor is like, shit. This is not going well. So he redirects. And that's when Victoria adds a new piece of flair to her testimony that uh-huh. she had not told at any other point. She said that one of her attackers pulled his thing out and he said to her, You will have a black baby. What? Yeah. So that was horrifying yeah. to the jury. And I can imagine that would make a large impact on the jury. Yep. And the other thing that I saw in some other sources was that even though Sam Leibowitz was making good points in his cross-examination of Victoria, people did not like seeing this Jewish guy from New York yeah. come down and talk condescendingly, yeah. yeah, talk condescendingly to this mm-hmm.
0: yeah, cuz I liar. imagine
1: like yes, he's probably making
0: a thousand you know, good points, but mm-hmm. the prosecution makes one good
1: point. Yes, and like that sense that's like, the home team. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I kind of think they should have gone with Clarence Darrow. Yeah. Because Clarence Darrow, he was a Southern guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, and he was just kind of,
0: you know, he wasn't real put together. Like, no,
1: yeah, he was a slob. Yeah, that egg salad. Egg, salad <laughs> <laughs> so then the prosecution called the doctor who had examined Ruby and Victoria. Uh Uh-huh. And he had examined them both about two hours after these alleged gang rapes. But his testimony was not that good for the prosecution. He said yes, he found semen in both of their vaginas, but they weren't bleeding, they weren't bruised, there were no tears. Are you okay, Brady? (laughs) Are you horrified?
0: It's not my favorite part of the testimony, I'll tell you (laughs) that. Well... It's about to get grosser. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> and even though Victoria and Ruby later claimed that they were crying and upset, during the examination, he said, no, they seemed fine. He also said that he examined the semen. You ready for this? And it was <laughs> non-modal? Model? Bottom line was, it had been in there for a while.
0: <laughs> I would say it's modal.
1: Modal? Okay. Yeah. Okay. At first, I thought maybe it was a typo, and he meant non-mobile. <laughs> Wasn't moving around in there much. Well, I think that's what it means. Yeah, I think that's it just is. not what you say. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm petitioning. <laughs> <laughs> this firm had low mobility, is what yeah. she's saying. Then the prosecution called Arthur Woodle, who was one of the angry white men who showed up at the train that day. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I don't even
0: know what that noise was. I just
1: hate this case. I know. I'm not going to do another bad one like this for a while. It's too much. It's too much. How are you feeling today? Probably not great, right? After researching this? I felt awful all day yesterday. I felt terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It sucked. Mm Mm-hmm. Still sucks. Yep. Now I'm throwing it at you. Thank you. (laughs) Okay, so he said he'd grabbed a knife. Off one of the young men that day. So that, you oh, were asking about... that's where the knife comes yeah, in. Okay. okay. Um, he said... He but the way the ladies make it
0: sound, there should be fucking knives and pistols all over the place. Yeah. And we see there's one knife brought up at trial? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. hmm Doesn't quite match up, does well, it? Well, and they
1: have no tears or bruising or... Yeah, that's... Well, I'm serious. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Yes. If they're being many... raped by six men each. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Why? <what? gasps> this, this is just terrible. It is. Okay, so so he couldn't say who he'd grabbed it off of. He just said that when he got it, the young man said that he took it, quote, off the white girl, Victoria Price. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what they've got. Wow. Mm-hmm. But apparently the testimony surprised Sam Liebowitz and it showed on his face. And the prosecutor was so excited that he clapped his hands and dashed out of the courtroom with glee. What? What, did he jump in the air and kick his heels together? Might as well have. What does dash out of the courtroom with glee mean? It was like a victory dance. Oh my gosh. That's my understanding. It was like he did this little victory dance. So then Sam was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I moved for a mistrial. Yeah. We can't just be skipping around. (laughs) Where the hell do you think you are? Do you think this is? A fucking courtroom musical? <laughs> <laughs> but the judge was like, no way. We're not having a mistrial. But jurors, I instruct you to ignore that ridiculous little skipping dance that the prosecutor just did. <laughs> then, I bet they
0: didn't do that. I,
1: how could you? Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I instruct you to ignore that? Good luck. Mm-hmm. Then the prosecution called an eyewitness. and An oh, eyewitness to what? The rape? Basically.
2: All right, tell me more.
1: Mm -hmm. This farmer gets up, takes the stand, and he's like, Yep, I saw the train go by. I saw Victoria and Ruby trying to leap off the train. But then I saw those black men stopping them from jumping off and taking them back in.
0: Saw all that when the train was whizzing by, huh?
1: yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. He got a real good look. Yeah. So Sam Leibowitz stands up, and he's like, Wow, you saw that whole thing, did you? Yeah. Amazing. And how far away were you from this train? And do you have any idea how fast trains <laughs> right? go? yeah. And how did you even know you were looking at women from yeah. that far away? Because one thing that everyone knew was that Victoria and Ruby had been dressed as men. They'd been in men's overalls. Mm. And the farmer was like, well, you know, I knew they were women because they were wearing dresses. (gasps) It's a lie! He lies! (laughs) So, at this point, everyone's like, oh, Oh, shit! shit. Because this farmer's like the only one who didn't know that they were wearing overalls. And he's like, wait, 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 wait! Did I say dress? I meant
0: overalls. Whoopsies.
1: (laughs) So at that point, the judge leans over and he goes, are you sure it wasn't overalls or a (gasps) coat? And the guy goes, no, sir, a dress. Oh, my gosh. When it was time for the defense to call witnesses, the trial got even more interesting. Willie Robertson was one of the young men who was accused of rape. And he was called to the stand. And he was just like, hey, I'm going to be honest. Victoria said I raped her and I was hopping around from boxcar to boxcar. But here's the embarrassing truth. I had a venereal disease. I could barely walk without a cane. I wasn't jumping around anywhere. I had syphilis. Oh, my gosh. Another one of the accused men was Ozzie Powell. And the prosecution did a pretty good job of tearing him down. But afterward, the defense got up and they asked just one question. They said, Ozzie, tell us about how much schooling you've had in your life. And Ozzie said, about three months.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Then Haywood Patterson was called to the stand. He was another one of the accused rapists. On cross-examination, he and the prosecutor got into it with, with each other. Here's their exchange prosecutor were you tried in scottsboro patterson i was framed in scottsboro uh. prosecutor prosecutor is pissed yeah who told you to say that patterson i told myself to say it yeah i love that oh uh. then later a guy named lester carter took the stand and he was a white guy who had been traveling with victoria and ruby that day and he did a ton of damage to the prosecution's case. Because Victoria had said, oh yeah, I met Lester the day of the crime. But Lester was like, no, we for sure knew each other before that. He, he said, we hung out a few days before the crime in a hobo jungle. Before the we fuck's a hobo jungle? I don't know. It doesn't sound great. Uh, are there lions? and <laughs> I d- Highly doubt Giraffes? I'd go to that. I, my assumption was like a bunch of tents. Oh, like a tent village? Yeah. Yeah, it's not quite as exciting as I was picturing. No, no. Take it down a notch. No (laughs) cotton candy. For sure, no cotton candy. So he said, you know, we were all hanging out in this hobo jungle. I had sex with Ruby. Victoria had sex with her boyfriend, Jack Tiller, which would explain the semen in them. If there was old semen and Sorry, I mean... <laughs> it's
2: so gross!
0: I, well, this is
1: important! It like, is if, important! If it's old semen, then that explains it. Yeah. You want to talk more about it? No. I'm talking about your gross old semen, Kristen. This is my first case in a while where there's no fetishes. <laughs> At this point, <laughs> Sam Leibowitz's feeling pretty good. Yeah. He's like, all right. I rest my case. He approached the bench asked for a brief recess, and then the courtroom doors swing open and in walks Ruby Bates. Where the fuck has she been? Good question. Everyone's scrambling. They're like, holy shit, she's alive, she's here, this changes everything. They get her on the stand. They ask her, why are you here? And she spills it. She says her conscience has been bothering her because this whole thing was a lie. (gasps) She said that her minister in New York advised her to come down for this trial and tell the truth. Oh my gosh, I have goosebumps all over. Yeah. She said that the rapes never happened. None of the Scottsboro boys even spoke to her that day, let alone touched her. She and Victoria told those lies because they were afraid of getting in trouble. Mm -hmm. The prosecution goes nuts. He's like... How do we know you're not lying now? Obviously, the Communist Party has their hand in this. That's a nice dress. Where'd you get that dress? Mm-hmm. And she admits it Which was is a. F- I mean, that's the tactic you have to take, right? Yeah, she's yeah. like, this dress was purchased for me. So mm-hmm. he's like, okay, everything about this has been bought.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Your testimony was paid for. When it came time for closing statements. By the way, another source said that she was listed as a surprise witness... I like this version better. It's much more dramatic. Yeah. Was there like a clap of thunder as the doors (laughs) flew open? And everyone went, oh! (laughs) (laughs) When it came time for closing statements, Wade Wright, who who was assisting Prosecutor Thomas Knight, asked the jury, quote, whether justice in this case is going to be bought and sold with Jew money from New York. What the fuck? Yep. Yep. Wow. At that point, Sam Leibowitz was like, oh, hell no. Mistrial. Mistrial. Yeah. And the judge was like, no, nah, we're going to stick with it. Wow. In his closing statement, Sam Leibowitz told the jury go big or go home. Acquit them or give them the chair. Don't do anything in between. Then he recited the Lord's Prayer. Wow. Which I think is. Was very smart. Yeah. On April 8th, 1933, the jury went into deliberation. The next day, they emerged laughing. They found Haywood Patterson guilty, and they sentenced him to death. Oh, my gosh. That's the first time I cried yesterday. It was over that. That's... How is that even possible? Just a bunch of racist bullshit.
2: Yeah. That's
1: fucking terrible. Yeah. What kills me is when they walked out laughing, the defense got really hopeful. Like well obviously. Yeah, like they obviously
0: didn't... they didn't convict, like they're yeah. Yeah.
1: Wow. Looking back on the jury and his experience, Sam Lebowitz said if you ever saw those creatures, those bigots whose mouths are slits in their faces, whose eyes popped out at you like frogs, whose chins drip tobacco juice, be whiskered and filthy. You would not ask how they could do it. Oh my gosh. Months passed, and it turns out one other person kind of agreed with Sam's assessment. It was the judge. Really? The case had weighed on him. None of the evidence supported the idea that these two women had been raped. Yeah. And there was one other thing. In the trial, the original plan was that two doctors would testify because two doctors had examined them that day. Yeah. But at the last minute the prosecution pulled the second doctor. They were like, Oh, this testimony would be duplicative. We don't need it, it would be a waste of everyone's time. We don't need to hear from Doctor Lynch.
2: Uh-huh.
1: So the judge was like, Okay, fine. Yeah. You're excused. But a little while later, Doctor Lynch said, Hey Judge, could I meet with you privately? So they met in the men's room of the courthouse with armed guards outside the door, and that's when Dr. Lynch says, I think these girls are lying. I think they've always been lying. Oh, my
2: god! In fact,
1: when I first examined them, I told them to their faces that I didn't believe them, and they laughed at me. So the judge said, well, then you have to testify. Yeah. And Dr. Lynch was like, please don't make me. I'm just out of med school. I'm just starting my practice. It'll be career suicide if my testimony Mm -hmm. helps the defense. In that moment, the judge sympathized with the doctor. But later, on June twenty second, 1933, when the defense asked for a new trial, the judge decided to commit his own career suicide. He told the packed courtroom that he was setting aside the jury's verdict. He ordered a new trial. Oh, my gosh. I mean goes without saying, but obviously when he was up for re-election he lost that. Yeah, of course. But the new trials took place in another judge's courtroom. Mhm. And this judge wanted things done fast. He didn't like all the attention that the cases were getting. He didn't feel that the defendants or their attorneys deserved protection from the National Guard. So, he dismissed any protection. Mhm. He had a goal to complete each trial in 3 days. Oh my gosh! This
0: it's sucks just these so people's bad. lives.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is terrible. It's been a while since we cried. I know, <laughs> Kristen. Damn. Ugh. So he overruled almost every defense objection and sustained almost every objection from the prosecution. Of course. When Sam Bleibowitz questioned whether Victoria Price might have had sex with someone other than the Scottsboro Boys in the days leading up to the alleged gang rape, the judge was like, hey, 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 none of that. Wow. Basically, this huge component of the defense. Yeah, it's a huge part of the defense. The judge was like, oh, gross, no, we don't need to talk about that. The prosecution called a fun new witness And he offered to recite some of his poetry to the jury. And the judge was like, no thanks, I hate poetry. The guy said he was there the whole time, saw the whole thing. And the only reason the Scottsboro boys stopped raping the women was because he convinced them that the women were dead. What? So why did this new witness all of a sudden appear? And where is this story coming from? Well, turns out the prosecutor, Thomas Knight, had been making payments to the guy's mom and to him for a long time. So his testimony was purchased. Yeah. Later, in jury instructions, the judge ordered the jury to presume that no white woman in Alabama would have consensual sex with a black man. Wow. Then he refused to give the jury an acquittal form. He didn't even give them the option to acquit. Get this. The only reason he finally gave them the form was because the prosecution was like, Judge, if you don't at least give them the form, then that could be grounds for a retrial. Uh, yeah, exactly. And the judge is like, oh, okay, right. Okay, well, here's the form. Oh, my gosh. Jury comes back. They find Haywood Patterson guilty again. Of course. Another trial happens. They find Clarence Norris guilty again. Sam Liebowitz is seething mad. He's like, I will appeal both these verdicts to hell and back. Mm-hmm. The judge is like, good plan. You go ahead and appeal those verdicts. We'll just wait on these other seven cases. So now it's February 15th,
2: 1935.
1: Mm-hmm. We're at the United States
0: Supreme Court! (laughs) That was the saddest one we've ever done. (laughs) I know, where was your soundbite afterwards? I am too sad now. I
1: know! (laughs) Sam tells the Supreme Court, here's the deal. In Alabama, they're not letting black people serve on juries. That's a violation of the Equal Protection Clause of the Constitution. And I know they say they have the names of black people on jury rolls, but it's all bullshit. Yeah. Six weeks later, the Supreme Court handed down a unanimous decision. The Alabama jury selection system was unconstitutional. Yay! Therefore, those two convictions had to be thrown out. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. At this point, years have gone by. Yeah. The Scottsboro Boys have been locked up in horrible conditions. And Sam is just like, please, can we be done? Yeah. Can we be done with this? Just admit that you're wrong, Alabama. Yeah and Alabama's like no, nope. not a chance not gonna do it meanwhile Sam Lebowitz has his own issues going on with his own defense team two of the communist party lawyers were arrested for trying to bribe Victoria Price oh shit for ch- into changing her testimony mm-hmm. so he's pissed he's like look dummies you're not helping yeah you've gotta stop which like uh, I don't know
0: yeah he, as if he doesn't have enough issues already
1: yeah Yeah, and her testimony was already full of shit anyway. Yeah. So now we're on to Haywood Haywood Patterson's fourth trial. And this time, Sam is like, okay, I get it. People don't like me here. They don't want to see a Jewish guy from New York angrily questioning the way things are done. I'm going to sit back and let a local attorney named Charles Watts play a more visible role in this trial. So that's the strategy. The trial happens... And the jury found Haywood Patterson guilty again. But this time, they gave him 75 years. Wow. Which, was the, it was the first time in Alabama history that a black man had been convicted for raping a white woman and not gotten, not the, gotten the death, the death penalty, penalty. Which shows that, like, you had to be just, like, smack you in the face innocent. Mm-hmm. And... The best you could hope for was 75 years. Yeah. At this point, it's 1936. Haywood Patterson is appealing his conviction, and the other eight guys are awaiting trial. These trials are costing Alabama a ton of money. And they're not making Alabama look great either. Yeah. Because by this point, everyone's watching and everyone's like, hmm, this is super racist. Yeah. Clearly, these guys are innocent. So Thomas Knight secretly goes to New York to meet with Sam Liebowitz. What? He's like, can we please compromise? This, this is costing way too much money. It's costing us politically. Can we reach a, a compromise? How about this? I'll drop my cases against three out of the nine Scottsboro boys, and the rest will get no more than 10 years in prison. Sam did not like this deal. Yeah. He believed wholeheartedly
2: that his clients innocent. were innocent.
0: Yeah. But he also believed that they weren't going to get off, so this is their best chance.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He believed that they would never get a fair trial. Never. Not in Alabama. No. So he said, "Okay. Let's yeah. do the deal." They were all set to make the compromise official, and then Thomas Knight died. Ah. <gasps> The oh, judge shit. The judge, who I assume didn't know anything about the deals, you know, nothing had been signed. Yeah. He's like, All right, let's get going on the new trials. Jury selection begins for Clarence Norris's third trial on Monday, July twelfth, nineteen thirty seven. The judge worked with trademark speed. By Wednesday, the jury handed down a guilty verdict. Of course they did. And a death sentence. Yep. Then there was Andy Wright's trial. He was sentenced to 99 years. Then it was Clint Charlie Weems' turn. He got 75. Ozzie Powell was brought into court, but earlier, when he and some of the other guys had been transported back to prison from court, mm-hmm. and this story is a little murky, but while he was handcuffed, he slashed a deputy's throat with a knife. The deputy got his gun out and shot Ozzie in the head but Ozzie survived. Oh my gosh. Afterward, Ozzie said he did what he did because he thought he was going to be murdered. So that happened.
2: Oh my gosh. And the state
1: announced that they were dropping the rape charges against him and instead charging him with, with assaulting murder. a deputy.
0: Oh, mm-hmm. the guy didn't die. No, he didn't. Oh, die. Okay.
1: Then came another surprise. The new prosecutor announced that they were dropping charges against the four remaining defendants. He said that Willie Robertson and Olin Montgomery were for sure not guilty. Mm -hmm. And that Eugene Williams and Roy Roy Wright, who were 12 and 13 at the time of the alleged crime, had already spent enough time in jail Mm -hmm. and they should be released. All of the Scottsboro boys struggled, but it was especially bad for those who were still stuck in prison. The conditions they lived in were horrible. Yeah. There were poisonous snakes. Um, in prison where Haywood Patterson was held, one of his jobs was to carry dead bodies out of the electric chair. Oh my gosh. But by 1938, oh God, you look.
0: I'm so depressed I'm, right I'm now. I'm
1: sorry. I don't know what to say.
0: This case is terrible. It
1: sucks. But by 1938, there was a little bit of hope. Alabama Governor Bib Graves decided that he wanted to pardon the remaining Scottsboro boys. So he called them into his office per, for pre pardon interviews, just like a normal thing. But none of them would admit to having done the crime. And therefore, none of them would say, Oh, I feel so guilty. Oh, I'm remorseful. Because they were like, We didn't, didn't do, do it. anything. Ozzie Powell refused to even talk to the governor. He said, quote, I don't want to say nothing to you. Yeah. They didn't tell the governor what he wanted imagine to hear. Imagine how
0: angry you would be at that yeah. point in your life.
1: Mm-hmm. It would be just impossible not to be. Yeah. Yeah, you would be, ugh, I, I can't even imagine. But yeah, you wouldn't be like, oh, yeah. After all the shit I've been through, I'm going to go grovel to this white man. No fucking way. No. No. And because they wouldn't do it, they stayed in prison. So that's basically the end of the story. But I want to talk a little bit about... What you think they should have done? Is that what you're going to say? Oh, no. I was going to talk about each of the Scottsboro Boys individually. Oh, that's great. But what I think they should have done? Yeah,
0: you just said we were going to talk about that at the end. So,
1: oh, I wish Ozzy Powell would have stuck the knife in a little further. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no! I just think it's terrible. I don't know that there's like a.
0: I just when we like were talking been... about Clarence Darrow earlier, yeah. So you said let's talk. We'll talk at the end about what I think they should have done.
1: I think they should have gone with Clarence Darrow.
0: I think they should have gone with Clarence Darrow too.
1: But only for like. Awful reasons, which was that I think Clarence oh, Darrow. We did already talk about that, didn't we? Yeah, we did talk about it. Okay. Do you remember anything that's happened so far? <laughs> no, I'm trying to get
0: it out of my head.
1: Okay. Ugh, this case. So Charles Weems was nineteen when he was arrested. In prison, he was beaten up and tear gassed for reading communist literature. He was permanently injured by the beatings, and in 1938, a prison guard stabbed him. The guard had mistakenly, had mistaken him for a different Scottsboro boy, Andy Wright. Charles was released in 1943, got the hell out of Alabama, and got married. Mm -hmm. Clarence Norris had a really tough time in prison. He got out in 1944, moved to New York, which violated his parole because he wasn't allowed to leave Alabama. So he was sent back to prison. Holy shit. Eventually, in the 60s, the NAACP helped Clarence get a full pardon from the state of Alabama. Oh, my gosh. Andy Wright was 19 when he was arrested. He suffered from depression and got beat up by prison guards and other inmates. He was paroled in 1944, but violated parole when he left Alabama. He spent a few years in and out of prison. He eventually moved to New York and in 1951 was accused of raping a 13-year-old girl. But that accusation was also believed to be false. Yeah. And he was acquitted by an all-white jury.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: The source I saw didn't say, but I assumed the girl was not white. Yeah. Yeah. Ozzie Powell suffered permanent brain damage after being shot in the head. He was released from prison in 1946, and he moved to Georgia. Olin Montgomery was one of the guys who was released early. He wanted to become a musician, but that never worked out for him. He drank heavily and eventually moved to Georgia. Eugene Williams was 13 when he was arrested. He moved to St. Louis after he was released. Got two more here. (laughs) It's just terrible. Willie Robertson was one of the guys who got early release. He was the one who walked with a cane. Mm -hmm. Um, After he was released, he moved to New York City. Roy Wright was 12 when he was arrested. After he was released, he joined the Army got married and eventually got a job with a merchant marine. A few years later, when he got home from being away at sea for a while, he became enraged. He thought his wife had cheated on him. So he murdered her oh my and gosh. then he shot himself. Ugh. And that's it. It's the worst fucking story you've ever told, I know. So Victoria Price always stuck to the story. Yeah. Ruby Bates obviously I think did what she could, mm-hmm. but it was too late. Mm-hmm. Thanks for that story,
0: Kristen. I really loved the redeeming qualities at the end.
1: I just, I think that's the saddest thing. Like, you take someone when they're that young, and you put them through hell. They don't have a. You've, they don't have she, a shot. Yeah,
0: you've completely molded what their life's going to become.
1: Yeah, you put them in. A violent, horrible world Yeah, where everyone assumes the worst about them. So, of mm-hmm. course, that's.
0: And even after their release, they were known. So yeah. everybody continued to assume the worst yeah. of them.
1: And my. <laughs> this isn't the worst part, but like the idea of like, no, you've got to stay in Alabama. Fuck that. I hated that story. I did too.
0: I really hated it. Me too. I don't know that I'll forgive you for this episode. Kristen. I don't blame you.
1: <laughs> I don't blame anybody. No, this sucked. <laughs> this totally sucked. Um, like I said, for some reason, I had it in my head that this was a more like, that it had a happy ending. I don't know why I thought it had a happy ending.
0: Because but- none of them actually got put to death?
1: maybe that's what i was thinking yeah because i'd read about this like yeah. maybe six years ago yeah and so it was just in my head right sorry everybody fuck
0: <sighs> i just need a minute before i'll be able to carry on do you want me to go to the bathroom sure okay good <laughs> yeah get out of my sight quick <laughs>
1: Can you believe that I didn't do Central Park 5 because I wanted one that was...
0: Uplifting?
1: More uplifting.
0: Well, you fucking failed. (laughs) I agree. I need to, like... uh, I'll try to do mine now, I guess. (laughs) Good Lord. (sighs) Let me gather
1: myself here. (laughs) Um... Can I ask you a quick question? Yeah. Do you think... This is something... So my friend and I told you she was yeah. in town last week. Yeah. Do you think that if, if slash hopefully when I finally get my book done yeah. and I publish it, yeah. should I keep the name Kristen Pitts or should I call myself Kristen Caruso
0: I think you should call yourself Kristen Caruso. Why? Cuz I think it sounds amazing. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: I I have told you that like forever no, that I think yeah. it sounds like the most amazing name. So, Christina and I were talking about this because yeah. in our like friend group from college, yeah. none of us changed our last names. Yeah. And I was like, look, let me ask you.
0: Best you seller, a, Kristen yeah.
1: Caruso. Half off, Kristen Pitts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just think
1: Kristen Caruso has such a ring to it. Yeah, it's a beautiful name. Yeah. Well, it'd certainly make my grandmother happy. Should <laughs> <laughs> I tell you how horrified? I'm, I'm actually seriously thinking about it. I love
0: it. My vote is use it professionally.
1: Okay should we get hey listeners weigh yeah, in weigh
0: in Kristen Pitts or mm-hmm. Kristen Caruso what do you like whose book would you rather read
1: oh Kristen Caruso for sure 100% yeah I mean to me there's no question like which is better well duh Pitts yeah. sounds awful but see I don't Pitts never I mean it's
0: not my last name but it's never bothered me I don't think it's that bad of a last name
1: uh, I think it's
0: could be like Shithouse yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> used to be shit house. <laughs> No, I just think, like, and Christina and I had this conversation, too, where, like, yeah, I I grew up with this name. I yeah. could not imagine changing my name because I got married. Like, that just, that was not yeah. a thing for me. But she was like, well, if you had kids, how would you handle it? And I was like, for sure. I would never put my kid through being a yeah. pitts when they could be a Caruso. Caruso, yeah. Lock me up if I wanted to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, thank you. Please, everyone, weigh in. Yeah, weigh in. I'm just putting
0: on the record. I'd rather read a book by Kristen Caruso. Would you I, rather I'd listen rather to a friends podcast? with Kristen Caruso.
2: Oh, <laughs> just what, did i just kidding. I
1: name and you're like, all of a sudden, you're like, I want to hang out more. Yeah. <laughs> I feel
0: like there's been something that's just kind of been holding me back in this friendship. Wow. Turns out it's your last name. It's your last
1: Would you rather listen to a podcast? By Kristen Caruso. Let's see. Let's do our intro. Okay. <laughs> One semester of law school.
0: One semester of criminal justice. Two, Two
1: experts. Ex- I'm Kristen Caruso.
0: I'm Brandy Egan. That sounds
1: good. That sounds
0: so good. I'm gonna think about it.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right.
0: Have I lifted us up a little? <laughs> I more? love okay. it. All right. Okay. I'm ready to. I'm ready to go now. Thank you. Great.
1: Okay. okay. You know, three people die every. every <laughs>
0: Just kidding. What the, why would you do that to me? I was gonna make up something terrible. <laughs> I saw the most amazing concert I've ever seen in my life last night, Kristen. You could have been there. God. I'll Everybody... talk about it at the end of the okay. I'm gonna talk about yeah. it after mine because I have something I want to mention.
1: Oh, great. that's a little teaser. Mm. Oh. Oh. I was you know what? I was gonna stop listening, but then you said that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I pulled um The
0: majority of the beginning of this from an article from Texas Monthly. Oh, my God. You love Texas Monthly. By Mimi Swartz. Okay. Really good article. Okay. Okay. There are a handful of things that people in center view. Nope. mm -mm, I got to start over. Did the article (laughs) mess this up, too? No, I fucking messed it up. (laughs) I keep wanting to call this town View. It's called fucking Cinnaville? Channelview. Oh, well, <laughs> I can't help you there. I don't know. Okay. There are a handful of things that the people of View, Texas agree on when it comes to Wanda Holloway. She was prideful, well-spoken, an impeccable dresser, and she would do anything for her children.
1: Oh, no. Oh, I'm so excited.
0: Many of those statements, though they could be taken as a compliment, weren't meant to be. Mm -hmm. To the people of Channelview, a largely blue-collar suburb of Houston, the way she spoke was uppity, and most didn't have the means to dress the way she did. Wanda hadn't grown up with the means herself. In fact, she had grown up in one of the rougher parts of Channelview. But what she had grown up with was the drive to get herself the hell out of there. In high school, she was described as an overachiever and especially excelled in her business classes. She was fairly well-liked, but she could never quite gain the acceptance she yearned for. What Wanda wanted more than anything was to try out for the cheerleading squad or the drill team. This was Texas, after all. The drill team and the cheerleaders went hand-in-hand hand with Friday night football. But her father wouldn't allow it. It didn't fit with his conservative religious views. No daughter of his was going to be out there dancing around dressed in those skimpy outfits. Hmm. Which by this point is like the 60s. I can't imagine how skimpy those outfits were.
1: Everything's relative. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when you look at a
0: modern-day cheerleading yeah. uniform... <laughs> Instead, Wanda focused on those business classes she did so well in. She would graduate high school, get into good business college, get into a, a good <laughs>
2: business college,
0: and leave that town behind. And
1: make caveman happy.
0: <laughs> but that dream of leaving Channelview, much like her dreams of becoming a cheerleader, would never come to fruition. At 18, Wanda married Tony Harper and gave up her business classes. He didn't want her to work, and she wanted to start a family right away. But Wanda hadn't lost her thirst for more. She wanted a nicer house than the modest one they lived in on the same street as the rest of Tony's family. And she wanted a Lincoln Town Car.
1: (laughs) Those were her victories. A girl can dream.
0: (laughs) With Tony's salary as a railroad warehouse worker, though, those wants seemed far beyond Wanda's reach. She seemed to find her purpose in life, though, with the birth of her son, Shane, in 1973, followed by the birth of her daughter, Shana, oh. in 1977. <laughs> that sucks. Why would you name them Shane and Shana? That's awful. It's terrible. By the time Shana was three, Tony and Wanda were divorced. Wanda kept the house. Tony kept his truck, his water skis, and his recliner. Wanda would marry two more times pretty quickly. First, to a semi wealthy older man living the next town over, but that marriage was short lived. Then, after a brief attempt at reconciliation with Tony, she married an even older and even wealthier man. Mm. C.D. Holloway owned his own company in the oil industry and was 20 years older than Wanda. How do you feel about that, Kristen?
1: Well, here, okay. I'm about to surprise some people. Sounds like she wanted money. Yeah, he wanted the young, hot wife. Yeah, as long as everyone's on the same page, cool. I'm good with it. All right. It's when someone's like, you know, 35 dating the 20 year old. Mm-hmm. And, like, the 20-year-old's not getting anything out of it except manipulation. That's where (laughs) you have a real problem with it. So
0: Wanda and C.D. had met at church, where Wanda was the choir master and accompanist. I hate that word. I tried to find a different word to put in there, but. companyist. It's not spelled accompanist. Did you get uncomfortable with the word pianist? No, (laughs) it's not spelled accompanist. It's
1: spelled accompanist. Is that how you say it? Is this like you know, I it took me until adulthood to realize that I've always misspelled and missaid the word sherbet. It's sherbet, it's not sherbet. Yeah, we put an extra syllable in it. It is pronounced accompanist. Well that's stupid.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the dictionary pronunciation of it right now. The dictionary is wrong. <laughs> okay, so long story short. Wanda was the choir master, and she played fucking piano. (laughs) Really wasn't a long story. (laughs) Controversial word. Once Wanda married CD, they moved to one of the nicer neighborhoods in Channelview, and Wanda got her town car. In fact... I know, right? In fact, it seemed Wanda now had everything she'd ever wanted. She had diamonds and fancy clothes, a nice home, though it was still modest. They didn't move to a mansion. Uh Um, And she had her dream car. When asked if all the money made her happy, Wanda said with a smile, well, we're sure having fun.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: Yeah. Now that Wanda had just about everything she'd ever wanted, she could focus on the big disappointment in her life that she had never gotten over. And she decided whether it was a Conscious decision or not, um, that's kind of up for debate. Okay. She decided to live vicariously through her daughter.
1: Oh no. Oh God. First, she put
0: Shayna into tumbling and gymnastics. Then it was on to cheerleading classes. And then it was time for private coaches.
1: Wanda, how about put yourself into therapy? <laughs>
0: The amount of money Wanda must have invested into making her daughter into the cheerleader she never was had to be astronomical.
1: Oh, God.
0: But that wasn't the end of it. Shayna had to switch schools, of course. Shayna had attended a private Christian elementary school, but in order to be a cheerleader, she would have to go to public school. So in 1989, when Shayna was in the sixth grade, Wanda withdrew her from private school and enrolled her a, in the public school system in preparation for seventh grade cheerleader tryouts. This is what they'd been preparing for, for most of Shana's life.
1: Oh my God. Do not tell me she doesn't make it.
0: Wanda had done
1: everything. Oh no. She was
0: supposed to do. Oh, Shana. she'd followed the rules and now was the time for Shayna to get what she'd never had. And that's when the problems with Verna and Amber Heath began. Amber and Shayna were the same age. They lived right around the corner from each other. They attended the same Christian private school and they took classes at the same gym. They were friends. They knew each other well. They had sleepovers at each other's houses. So Wanda and Verna were familiar with each other as well. The articles that I read didn't go so far as to call them friends, but they were definitely yeah. friendly. Okay.
1: Okay.
0: Amber was a talented young tumbler and cheerleader, but Wanda wasn't worried about her being competition for Shayna because she was still going to the private school. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine how shocked Wanda and Shayna were when during the three days before tryouts where girls are allowed to campaign for their spot on the squad, Verna dropped Amber off at the school to hand out flyers and peppermints urging the students to vote for her.
1: Wait, you get voted onto the cheerleading squad? You get voted
0: onto the cheerleading squad. It's like half tryout, half vote. Oh, gross. Yeah. So there's like this three day period before the tryouts where any girl who's trying out is allowed to campaign to try Uh and get, you know, her schoolmates votes. So all of a sudden, Amber's getting dropped off at the public school And she's campaigning for votes for cheerleader. So it turns out that Verna was intending to enroll Amber at the public junior high school and had gotten special permission from the administration for her to try out for the squad before actually changing schools. Uh Wanda was livid. Those weren't the rules. That's not how it worked. She complained to the administration she complained to the school board. She called other parents and urged them to tell their children not to vote for the outsider, oh. as she oh, took to calling Amber. On. She even talked about getting a lawyer. But oh in the end, it just didn't pan out. There were three girls campaigning for two spots on the squad. Shayna didn't make it, Amber did. Mm. wanda was devastated
1: oh my god does wanda kill a little oh no
0: all of her complaints to the school and the school board did result in a rule change for future seasons though so, in future years, candidates wishing to try out for the cheerleading squad would have to spend one semester at the school before becoming eligible. So, apparently, this was the rule, but it wasn't, like, officially in the rule book. Oh, well, yeah, because no one gave a shit. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. This didn't calm Wanda down at all, though. She focused herself on making sure that this heartbreak didn't happen to her. I mean, Shana. Again. <laughs> The next year, there were more classes, more private lessons, and Wanda teamed up with her ex-husband, Tony, to come up with a campaign that was sure to get Shayna elected.
1: Oh, poor Shayna.
0: In what would come to be known as the ruler incident, Tony had the idea to get rulers and pencils printed up that said, vote for Shayna Harper for cheerleader. Okay. When Wanda took them to the school during the campaigning period... She was told they violated the campaign rules, and the vice principal confiscated them. She called her ex, Tony, in tears. They're not going to let me do this, she sobbed to him. Tony was surprised and confused. Wanda knew every rule there was when it came to these tryouts, so surely she had known this was against the rules, right? Mm -hmm. Why hadn't she said something when he'd come up with the idea? But Wanda convinced herself that these rulers and pencils were no different than handing out flyers or buttons or peppermints. So she kept handing them out anyway.
1: Okay. I kind of agree. I mean, a pencil, a peppermint. Kinda... So
0: the idea is that it's like a you're actually giving them something tangible rather than a button or a peppermint that they're going to eat. It's something that they, you're, it's a, a bribe. More of a gift. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well,
1: gosh, if you're going to give a bribe, give a a better one than that.
0: (laughs) When word got out that Wanda was still handing out the pencils and rulers, an emergency meeting was called at the school. The cheerleading sponsor and the parents of current cheerleaders were asked to attend. Among those parents was, of course, Verna Heath. Sure. At the meeting, they determined that Shana due to Wanda's blatant disregard for the rules, would be disqualified.
1: Oh, no. Oh, poor Shana. Uh-oh.
0: When Wanda learned of the decision, she was mortified. She called the principal and asked him to reconsider. Tony also called the principal and tried to take responsibility for Wanda's actions. He said, this was my idea. You know, I didn't know this was against the rules. Please, please yeah. reconsider. It was too late. The decision had already been made. Wanda just knew that Verna Heath was at the root of this disqualification. And she'd crossed the line. Now things were personal. Ninth grade cheerleading tryouts weren't scheduled until March of 1991. But Wanda would need several months to prepare for them if she was going to be successful this year in getting Shayna elected. Oh my
1: God, this story is terrible. So
0: worth noting here... In the meantime, Shayna had managed to get herself elected as the vice president of the eighth grade class. Oh my so gosh. it's not like she was unpopular. And perhaps she if was Wanda, popular despite. Yeah. And on. perhaps if Wanda had taken a fucking step back and quit intervening, maybe she would have ju- done just fine and gotten on the squad all by herself. Probably. Well, anyway. So several months before tryouts, Wanda took a job doing clerical work in the band director's office. She used this time on the inside. Someone <laughs> hired this nut job? <laughs> yeah. To pepper several administrators with questions.
1: Oh, How no. could she
0: enhance Shana's, Shana's chances of getting elected this year?
1: Back off.
0: Should she try to cozy up to the cheerleading sponsor? Was there any way to get Amber or another competitor disqualified? What? When she didn't get the answer she was looking for, she took a turn down a darker path, which led her to her ex brother in law, Terry Harper. Oh my God. One day, Wanda pulled up to Terry's trailer, honked the horn, and when he came outside, she said she needed to talk to him in private. Oh my God. She asked him how much he loved his niece and nephew
1: no 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 well
0: terry told her i love them with all my life wanda was glad to hear it because she'd come up with the perfect plan to make sure shana made the squad but she was going to need terry's help
1: are you honest to god about to tell me that they tried to murder a child
0: I need two people taken care of, and I no. don't care how, Wanda told Terry. No. And Terry's like, whoa, 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 oh. <laughs> I don't do anything like that, and I don't know anyone who does anything like that. And Wanda's like, think it over. Think on it a bit. What's there to think about? <laughs> See what you can come up with. And she left it at that. And Terry didn't hear from Wanda again until Christmas Eve, 1990.
1: Wait, so this first conversation happened in the like
0: spring? The, no, it happens in the fall sometime. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it happens in the fall sometime. And so then nothing happens until Christmas Eve. Oh, my God. So on Christmas Eve, after they'd opened presents at mm-hmm. the Harper family Christmas, Shayna pulls Terry aside. So this is like her dad's side of the family yeah, Christmas. Yeah. And she gives him a piece of paper with a phone number on it and says, Mom wants you to call her at this number. And so Terry's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so Terry calls the number and he's thinking it's either A, she's like, wants to call off the deal and make sure that she know he knows like, hey, you know, sorry, sorry I said that, that. forget all about it. Or... B, she wants to press him to find someone to go through with it. Oh, my god! And so he's like, please be A, please be A, please be A. <laughs> <laughs> but when he spoke to Wanda, turns out oh, it was no. option B. And she's like, you got to find somebody to do this. We got to move forward f- with this. And so he tries to reason with her. He's like, why don't you just let Shayna try out? And if she doesn't yes. get it, she
1: doesn't get it. Yeah, character building.
0: And Wanda's like, No. If she doesn't get it, she'll be devastated and she'll never try out again. She'll be devastated. Right. <laughs> so Terry quickly realized that Wanda was not giving up on this idea and he was now in over his head okay. and he by no choice of his own Like, she sought him out, and he was like, I'm not into that. Nope, love my niece and nephew. And so he's like, what the fuck do I do? So he goes to his brother, Tony, which is Wanda's ex-husband, and tells him what's going on. And Tony's like, you got to tell the police. Yes. You have to to tell the police. When Terry first went to the police, they didn't seem to believe him. Wanda, though a bit overbearing, was a well-respected member of the community with a wealthy husband. And Terry had a little bit of a record. Nothing big, a couple of misdemeanor charges and a DUI, but they weren't quick to take his side.
1: It does seem nuts. Yeah. I mean, because she wanted to murder a mom and daughter. daughter. So so that that her daughter could
0: make the cheerleading squad.
1: Yeah, that's... It sounds fucking
0: crazy. Yeah. So, and the police are like, okay, buddy, goodbye. <laughs> all right. Yeah. But he's like, no, I'm fucking serious. And it took some pretty heavy convincing on his part for them finally to be like, all right, if you're telling the truth, let's wire you up. Mm-hmm. You go get her to say it on tape.
1: Oh my gosh. And Terry's like, and Terry's all like, right, great. Hope you're okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, over the next three weeks, Police couldn't believe what they heard when they listened in while Terry told Wanda that he'd found someone to do the job. And they negotiated pricing. The fake hitman would charge $2,500 to take out Verna Heath. What? Yeah. I mean. (laughs) And $5,000 to take out Amber Heath. And Wanda was like, I just can't swing the $7,500 for both, which, adjusted for inflation, is almost $14,000 today. That's, no, no. It's bargain basement prices for two hits, right? Yeah, and one of them's a child? No. Yeah. So she's like, I just don't have the money for two murders. Darn. I guess I'll just take the one. Just, let's just take out Verna. She's done way more to me than her daughter. And if we murder, if you murder her, Amber is going to be so distraught that there's no way she'll be able to try out for cheerleader.
1: Oh, that is fucked up. Yeah, it's super fucked up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I'll take the bargain deal. Oh my and god! And it's just
1: like getting two birds with one stone. It'll be so great for this child to be grieving the loss of her mother. Yes, Oh. Yeah. This is terrible. (laughs) It was the perfect scenario. (laughs) (sighs) Oh. On
0: January 28th, 1991, Mm -hmm. Wanda met Terry to give him the down payment. And again, Terry was wearing a wire. As Wanda handed over a pair of diamond earrings for the down payment... He asked, you want her dead? And Wanda replied, I don't care what you do with her. You can keep her in Cuba for 15 years. I want her gone. Mm. Two days later, Shayna was practicing gymnastics in the garage when two police officers showed up looking for her mom. Shayna watched in fear as her mother took off her jewelry and placed it on the kitchen table. As police escorted her out the front door, she said, Grandma's coming over. I'll be back. <laughs> She's like, just calm
1: as can be. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> the next day, Shayna's fear turned to shock when her mother, out on bail, told her that she had been arrested for conspiring to kill Verna Heath. Whoa. Yeah. So Shayna's like,
1: what the fuck? Oh, my God. At
0: her February arraignment, Wanda Holloway was the dr- best dressed person in the courtroom. She wore a white shirt with a black and white polka dot collar, a houndstooth skirt, a black blazer, and she finished the look off with a pair of black pumps with white piping.
1: Could I Google her real quick? Yeah. Okay. Wanda Holloway? Yeah.
0: H-O-L-L-O-W-A-Y.
1: Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, she's got that hair.
0: Yeah. Uh, She also carried a black purse with a dark red wallet that matched her dark red nails. Wow. And she pled not guilty.
1: Okay. I've got to stop looking at pictures of her. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Mesmerizing.
0: Wanda Holloway's trial began August 23rd, 1991. The prosecution alleged that Wanda had conspired to kill Verna Heath so Amber would be too distraught to try out for the cheerleading squad and Shayna would have a better chance of making it.
1: Unbelievable. They
0: called school administrators who testified that Wanda had taken her daughter's rejections rejections from the cheerleading squad. Man. The school called administrators who testified that Wanda had taken her daughter's rejections from the cheerleading squad far less gracefully than Shayna herself had. <laughs> <laughs> A high school friend of Shayna's brother also testified that Wanda once asked him if he would kill Verna Heath. Oh
1: my gosh.
0: The prosecution's most powerful witness, though, was Wanda herself. They played for the jury seven tape recorded conversations including five phone conversations and two in-person conversations. Wanda and jury members alike followed along with a transcript as her voice filled the courtroom. In the first recorded conversation, Terry asked Wanda, Are you still interested in taking care of that problem? To which Wanda replied, "Uh Uh-huh, with a giggle. Some of the conversations were difficult to understand as Wanda spoke very fast and often giggled in the middle of sentence. So was like a nervous tick, I think.
1: Yeah, when you're plotting to kill someone. Kill someone, someone yeah. Sure.
0: But the final conversation was the most damning. In that conversation, after Wanda told Terry that she didn't care what happened to Verna, they could keep her in Cuba for 15 years... Terry made it clear that the guy he'd lined up for the job would make sure that Verna Heath, quote, won't be breathing much longer. To which Wanda Holloway can be heard on tape saying, OK, go for it.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, because the I know the that thing, seems that's, yeah, yeah, it's that's like, like, oh, well, well, I don't know. That
0: might be an out. Yeah. yeah. But when he says this guy I've got, he's going to make sure she's not breathing anymore. Yeah. And she goes, OK, go for it. Yeah. It's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. The prosecutor felt sure that this was all they needed for a conviction. They had the defendant's own words on tape ordering the hit. But now it was the defense's turn. They argued that this whole thing was planned by Tony and Terry Harper in a ploy for Tony, Wanda's ex-husband, to gain custody of Shayna and Shane.
1: Oh, uh, hold Phone. <laughs> so it was a plot by them. Uh-huh. And they imitated her voice. No, no, no. She actually said these
0: things. Uh-huh. But it was their idea, and their the defense is um is arguing that she only went along with it because she was scared.
1: Oh yeah. Giggling and having a good time. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So there's one
0: big problem with this this uh argument. Is that in the ten years since they had divorced, Tony Harper had never once attempted to amend their custody arrangement. Oh, yeah. He'd never taken her to court. He'd never asked for more time or child support. Yeah, whatever. So all of a sudden, all of a sudden, yeah. he just mm. flies off the fucking handle and he's uh, framing you for plotting a murder. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. When Wanda took the stand in her own defense, she really tried to sell that idea to the jury. She admitted that she had said some terrible things about the Heaths. And she admitted that it had been unwise. (laughs) But she maintained through tears that the plot to murder Verna Heath had been Terry's idea. And that she had not backed out of the plan because she was afraid of him. The jury was not swayed by Wanda's tears, though. Good. Good. On September 3rd, 1991, they found her guilty and recommended a sentence of 15 years. They specifically picked 15 years because it was the same number of years she suggested Verna Heath be held in Cuba. Ooh. A bit of poetic justice. Ice cold. But the jury's attempt at being clever would not pay off. Oh, no. Because what they were unaware of was that Texas law allows a felon sentenced to a term of 15 years or less to post an appeal bond and allows them to get out on conditional release. Wanda made her $75,000 bond and was out the next day on appeal. Mm -hmm. Do you want to know why they appealed? What conditions they appealed on?
1: Hold on. Hold on. Oh, um, oh biscuits. Uh, no, uh, what is it? What is it? Okay. So this is the defense.
0: They've got some stuff up their sleeves. Uh-huh. And they've saved it to the last second. So what's interesting is that they if the jury had sentenced her to 15 years and one day, uh-huh. she would not have been able to get out on bond. If it was even one day oh my God. over 15 years, she no. would not have been able to have an appeal bond.
1: Okay. Um. May I make a quick guess? Yeah. Okay. It has something to do with the transcripts? You said they were kind of muddled in the beginning. No. Nope. Okay, Never mind. Nope. Good guess though. Okay. But no.
0: So the defense appeals the ruling, or the yeah. verdict. Sure. Appeals okay. the verdict, and they petition for a new trial, claiming that the whole thing was invalid because one of the jurors had been ineligible to serve on the jury due to a felony drug arrest. What? Yes. During the jury selection, Daniel Enriquez had truthfully answered yes when asked if he had been involved in a criminal case, but the judge incorrectly assumed that Enriquez had served his sentence. Oh. And he had not responded when the judge asked if any of the prospective jurors were on probation. Because he had served on a different jury several months earlier, and the judge in that case had assured him that his legal problems did not render him ineligible for jury duty. Oh. So he he did nothing wrong. Uh huh. It's just like a weird, like he got jury duty twice twice that fast. Yeah. Yeah. So many people, including myself, Uh believe that the defense knew the truth about this juror's inability. All along.
1: And that was like just up their sleeve. Yep. And it kept
0: it quiet in case of a conviction.
1: Oh, shit.
0: But it doesn't matter. The law's the law. Yeah. So they had an ineligible person on the jury. The entire trial's out the window. Oh, my gosh. And the verdict is void.
1: Oh, okay.
0: It would be another five years before the Texas justice system got around to dealing with Wanda Holloway a what? second time. Yeah. It just like took for fucking ever to come back around. That just like but slowly. But she didn't
1: still have custody of her
0: She children. had custody of her children. She's out on what? bond. Yeah,
1: she's living her fucking life. Did Shayna make the squad? <laughs> no. Did
0: Shayna lose interest? I think Shayna didn't try. Out. Yeah, I don't blame her.
1: <laughs> Oh, my gosh.
0: So, five years go by. And then finally, in September of 1996, Wanda took a plea deal to avoid a second trial. The case had turned into even more of a spectacle in the five years that had passed. So initially it was like a big deal in texas yeah when this case happened but this is an amazing story oh my god it fucking blew up two made for tv movies came yes, out in the course, time between the first trial and when the second yes. trial was gonna happen absolutely so it's just fucking huge news and so everybody's like we're just ready to be done with this yeah so she takes a plea deal she ple- pleads no contest okay and was sentenced to 10 years in prison okay but under the plea deal She would be eligible for parole after six months. What?
1: Yeah.
0: And she was granted it. She only served six months in prison. Spent the rest of her sentence on probation. So Mm -hmm. she served six months and then had nine and a half years of probation. And she had to complete a thousand hours of community service. That's all she got. That's ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. How? I? It's just nuts. And both sides were pissed at, like, what it would boil down to. Nobody was happy with this deal. The defense thought it was too much. And the
1: prosecution what? thought it was not enough. Well, the defense is stupid. Yes. If they think that they got a raw deal yeah. with her getting out in six yeah. months, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Is that not crazy? That is insane.
0: So, meanwhile, during all of this, poor Shayna continued to go to school with Amber. Oh,
1: God. And just had
0: to, like, avoid her in the hallway. Hey, Amber. Sorry, my mom tried to kill your mom. Uh, So, her mom, or no, I'm sorry, her dad, Tony, was like, you want to change schools? Let's change schools. And Wanda was like, nope. We're not changing schools. That makes us look like we did something.
1: Well, you fucking did do something. Well, and it's not we. Yes.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Shayna never did become a cheerleader because here's the big shocker, Kristen. Hmm, she it was she never, never really wanted to be a cheerleader in the first place. Wow.
1: Wow. <laughs> oh, my God.
0: Shayna is now grown and married with two children and has a fairly normal relationship with her mother. What? She says Wanda is a doting grandmother, but that she parents her children very differently than Wanda parented her. She doesn't push her children into anything, and they are free to pursue whatever path they wish.
1: And if anyone stands in their way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> of the murder plot, Shayna says that she and Wanda have only spoken about it one time, and it was just a few years ago. Shayna finally worked up the courage to ask her mom why she did it. Yeah, Wanda simply said it was a huge mistake and that she wished she could take it back. They've not spoken about it since.
1: I mean, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was nuts.
0: Yeah, so the two made-for-TV movies, so um, ABC made one called Willing to Kill, The Texas Cheerleader Story. It came out in 1992, and it was like a serious, like, retelling of the story and then hbo made a movie called the positively true adventures of the alleged texas cheerleader murdering mom
1: that sounds which was like a a dark
0: it was like a dark comedy it's yeah they definitely were very tongue-in-cheek with it i have seen it that's actually how i heard about this case i've seen that movie years and years and years ago it came out in 1993 okay um and holly hunter stars as wanda holloway um and it's funny and it's pretty good but it's okay. not doesn't stay stay that true to the yeah story. Well, sure, sure. <laughs> so that's the case of uh, wanda oh, holloway and those are the dangers of being a cheerleader in texas trying to be a cheerleader. trying to be a cheerleader no amber was a cheerleader
1: oh well you're right those are the you know <laughs> that's, okay. uh, yes. how you yes. said it was perfect yes, yes. <laughs> oh my gosh Man, we got the white people justice on this one. (laughs) We got the black people justice. uh, Well, injustice, rather. Injustice, yeah. Good grief. Yeah. That was nuts. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you for lightening things up. Just a touch. Just a touch. Mm -hmm. Slightly less I would like to say that I am now three episodes deep, death-free. Okay. Um, And I would like to say... I'm sorry to yeah. everyone for this episode. That was way too depressing. It was fucking terrible. Way too sad. Yeah.
0: I would like I w- to talk now about what I did last night.
1: Oh, sh- <laughs> oh did you have a great night last okay, night? Okay, so you- I,
0: backstory here. Mm-hmm. I love Ben Folds. I have loved him since I was 11 years old, and I heard Brick for the first time. I remember exactly where I was, when I heard it, uh, I like changed my fucking life. I remember you talking about yes. that song when we were kids. Yes. yes. Uh, it was like really like when I was 10, 11 years old is when I first like discovered music and that there yeah. was more than just like pop music and shit like that on the radio. I've still not discovered <laughs> Right. And so, like, Oh, changed my life. I bought um, whatever and ever, amen, like with my own money Mm -hmm. and listened to it all the time. I loved it because it had curse words on it. And I felt like I was like getting away with something. Yeah. Oh, changed my life. So I've wanted to see him in concert since I was 11 years old. Last night, he was here in Kansas City and he performed with the Kansas City Symphony. And I went... And was in the seventh row and it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my fucking life. (laughs) And I told Kristen about the show and she was like, Oh, I think we might go. And then she decided to cheap out and she didn't want to spend the money for the tickets. Mm -hmm. And she missed out on a life changing experience, is what I'm telling her right now to her face. And she looks so pissed.
1: I I'm very pissed at myself because I'm not that into music. Yeah. I never have been. Yeah. Hi, Norman. Can you? I'd like to interject. Oh, my God. Okay, well, get down in the microphone. Hi.
2: Norman here, Kristen's husband. I'd just like to say that I was ready to purchase tickets to the Ben Folds concert. Uh, And when I told Kristen how much each ticket cost, she scoffed and said, absolutely not. We are not paying that to go see Ben Folds.
0: I would like you to tell the listeners what that astronomical amount of money per ticket was. They were
2: eighty dollars a ticket.
0: Come on, Kristen! <laughs>
1: Here's why I'm stupid. So <laughs> like I said, not that into music, never really yeah. happened. But yeah. I have always loved Ben Folds. Yeah. I and I to this day love Ben
2: Folds. Yeah.
1: And I've seen him in concert once. Uh It was amazing. I wanted to see him again. When you told Mm -hmm. me about it, I got really excited. Then I heard The Price. My inner Daryl Pitts (laughs) came out. I was like, absolutely not. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And then last night, it was terrible. I'd been researching the Scottsboro Boys case all day. It was terrible. I was so sad. And I was like, I want to go to the concert. Mm -hmm. And so I clicked a new tab. My brother Googled it. Show starts at 7. It was 6.54. And was
2: <laughs> so sad.
0: Um, okay, so while I was at the concert. Mm-hmm.
1: You ran into everyone we know.
0: Yeah, like uh, the whole world was there. Mm-hmm. Except me. So while I'm sitting there watching the most amazing concert I've ever seen in my life. I'm like, Kristen, I, this is like a whole fucking new experience for me. I've gone to a million concerts. I love concerts. Love them. Mm -hmm. This was like no concert I've ever been to before. I cried at one point because I couldn't believe what my life was that I get to see this amazingness that close to my life and face. I'm really happy for you. Okay, so he performs a song that I had completely forgotten about. It's a song I know, you know it too. Which one is it? It's called Cologne.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. He wrote it when he was in Germany. Uh He
0: actually wrote it on fucking stage and then he rewrote it, you know, and released it. Oh, he composed a fucking song right there on stage while we all watched. It was the most amazing thing. My mind was like mush, like it oozed out of my ear and like pooled on the floor next to me. He gives a little backstory about this song, Cologne, that he wrote. Uh So he was in Germany at the time, which Cologne is a city in Germany, just for the record, for any idiot, <laughs> yes. and he's in Germany at time, and he's looking at these. He's got like a German newspaper, like an Italian newspaper, and an American newspaper, USA Today. And he's looking at them, and like the stories in like the German and the Italian newspaper are like these horrible stories about you know the state of the country and you know mm-hmm. whatever blah 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 how terrible things are. There's war, whatever. And then the American newspaper, the cover story is about an astronaut who put on diapers and drove 18 hours (laughs) to try and murder someone. (laughs) So in this song, and I, again, I know this song, I had totally forgotten Uh that it existed, but I want to read you a sampling of the lyrics. And then I'd like to point out an inaccuracy in it.
1: Oh, oh
2: yeah. Okay,
0: Says here an astronaut put on a pair of diapers, drove 18 hours to kill her boyfriend. And in my hotel room, I'm wondering if you read that story too. And if we both might be having the same imaginary conversation. So it's in the fucking song. She was not attempting to kill her boyfriend for and the he record. he wasn't
1: her boyfriend. That's correct. <laughs> ben Folds, um, if you want to make this right, send me a ticket to your next show. <laughs>
0: Anyway, I say all this to say, um, look, we have a connection to Ben Folds on a different level than we even remembered we had. Yes, yes. we both, we all love the not diaper story, oh, and you missed out on the show of a lifetime. I'm
1: so pissed at myself. <laughs> I, Norman, and I need to have a conversation. <laughs> That when I get, He needs to override you yeah, on yeah, certain things, yeah. right? The thing is, he's not as into Benfold, so I think he yeah. probably didn't want to. was go. like, all right, yeah. Um, but I feel like on experiences like that where it's like, we have this one opportunity. Yeah. Let's take the fucking opportunity. Yeah. Damn it, Brandy. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I have something to say to you. Okay. You and I are have both been watching a lot of the great British, British bake off. Oh yeah. Both of our husbands think we're lame for this. Yes. You said to me the other day, Paul Hollywood is hot. And I said, no, he's not. Here's Uh what I realized. Yeah. I've studied this now. He's
0: so good looking.
1: Paul Hollywood is in fact hot. Yeah. Very hot. Here's my thing. I do not like arrogant white men that's my <laughs> he problem he is arrogant I, he I is put arrogant. it together because like I, I turned on <laughs> like I turned on Netflix and I was like let me just look at this objective yeah. I was like okay those steely blue eyes yeah yeah he's for sure hot he
0: is Um, but he's also very arrogant I just
1: can't stand him yeah yeah
0: yeah you should guys should totally first of all if you don't listen to Ben Folds fucking check him out it'll change your life if
1: they haven't checked him out by now they're not <laughs> Guys, if you haven't checked out the Spice Girls, what are you doing? Check them out. They're
0: a hot new band. And um, if you've never seen uh, the British baking show, check that out, too. It's on Netflix. What? That's not what it's actually called. The Great British Bake Off?
1: Yeah, The Great British Bake Off.
0: Okay, yeah. It's on Netflix. There's like five seasons of it on
1: there. It's so fucking good. And, you know, just stare at Paul oh, Hollywood while I tell you about I dare the sponge. you not to. <laughs> Here's what I don't like. First of all, what's okay? What's the older lady's name? Mary not, Berry. Not Mary Berry, The other one. Oh,
0: um, Po. <laughs> I don't
1: think that's her name. I, I like her. I do By too. Line, I like the fuck her. Is her name? I like that she's confident enough. She just takes a bite and she immediately gives yeah. gives the assessment. Paul Hollywood milks mm-hmm. the drama. He, like, takes a bite. and He looks down.
0: Yeah, because he wants and them he to, like, his... shit their pants a little bit first. Yeah.
1: What an ass. No, I
0: love it. Because he'll be like, and you're like, holy shit, he's going to say it's fucking terrible. And then he's like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever tasted. And then he shakes their hand. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, the big thing to get a handshake from Paul Hollywood.
1: I think that's annoying. No. He's such a drama queen. I love it. I hope he chokes on a sponge. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Although, having watched the show now, yeah. what I really want to do, I, it's been driving me crazy for like the past couple of days. I want to make a Swiss roll. Uh, yeah. I think it'd be super fun. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like even if it was a disaster, it'd still taste it'd still amazing. it taste good, yeah. yeah. So who gives it? A- I want to make one of those...
0: I don't even know what they call what they're called, but they have the like the pastry shell, uh-huh. and then it's
1: just got like meats and shit in it. It looks so good. I did not think this, okay, so some of this, some of them look good. Some and of this, some of this of them don't. stuff, I'm kind of like, mm. but it's like a it's like a pot pie. Yeah, no, that, I I'm with but you. But it's like a real it looks like a
0: really crunchy pastry shell, which yeah, is a, and because it, it like it stands on its own, it doesn't even need a dish. Yeah. We're gonna have to wrap this up because we need to go eat lunch now. Yeah, star stuff. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening. If you've if you've joined us on social media, thank you for that. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter.
1: Oh, and this week. Okay, so last week, quick story. Yeah, I told the story about my dad saying he wanted a DP for DP <laughs> yeah. and how that was terrible because um, uh-huh. to people with dirty minds, it means double penetration. That's correct. I had to have that mortifying conversation with my father. I told the story on the podcast. This week, my father sent me a photo of himself drinking a Dr. Pepper with two straws. He captioned it, DP for DP with DP. <laughs> I posted it on social media. Yeah. And then Facebook... Um, I got a notification from Facebook the other day that was like, (laughs) you didn't boost this post. It's like, no no shit, shit. (laughs) Facebook, you know, I'm I'm posting that for people to have a little laugh. I'm not paying for anyone to see that. (laughs) I'm not going to pay for people to see. You know what I really liked
0: was that we got a comment on it from the man, the myth, the legend, Daryl Pitts himself, Uh that said, Kristen's dad is a sicko.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Shows he can be objective.
0: (laughs) That's right. So, thank you for joining us on social media. If you already have, if you have not yet, head on over to those things: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You're missing out on some fun there. Um, Sometimes, sometimes kind of boring. (laughs) Sometimes we talk about the Scottsboro boys. That's right, and we all get depressed. Thank you also to the people who have left us a rating and a review on iTunes. We really 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 appreciate that. It's a great metric for us to use to see, you know, how we're growing. So thank you. Thank you for that. Please, um, if you've not done that, head on over there. Do that for us.
1: And then join us next week. When we'll be experts on two whole new topics. Podcast Podcast adjourned. adjourned. And now for a note about our process. I read a bunch of stuff, then regurgitate it all back up in my very limited vocabulary. And I
0: copy and paste from the best sources on the web. And sometimes Wikipedia.
1: So we owe a huge thank you to the real experts. For this episode, I got my info from FamousTrials.com, PBS, and a little from Wikipedia. And I got
0: my info from Texas Monthly, the Chicago Tribune, People Magazine, Encyclopedia.com, and Mental Floss. .com For a full list of our
1: sources visit lgtcpodcast.com
0: Any errors are of course ours but please don't take our word for it go read their stuff